cafe. Anyway, hey, hey, how's it going? Mike's Daily Podcast. I am here at Cafe Anyway, somewhere in Podcastro Valley where it's raining. And we got that Pineapple Express sitting on top of us. And Mike's Daily Podcast. We'd like to call it something else now because that movie was not very good. It's now called a reservoir of water above our uh, heads. It's a transporting of liquids over our heads. It's an atmospheric river, actually, is what it is called. Mike's Daily Podcast. And we've probably heard that word uh, too many times. And we all know, yes, we know. We gotta be careful. Mike's Don't drive through daily flooded intersections. Podcast. Turn around, don't drown. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Say it over and over again. We finally get it, maybe. Californians, we, we need that hammered into our heads since we never see water, except for when we're at the beach or that Hurricane Harbor or what what is it called? Discovery Bay? Dis- the place that Six Flags owns that's a water park. It used to be Waterworld. Anyway, Cafe Anyway, we like water. So, did you know that Bing... Which I tend to use. I've been using that for many years because they give you points. They have passed 100 million users now. And they are closing the gap to getting as many people uh, that use Google. No one ever thought that would ever happen. Everybody made funny fun of them. Saying things like, oh, it's Bing Crosby's search engine and he's been gone for how many years? Ha ha ha. He played golf. But it's all because of ChatGBT, which I used a couple times last night. I was checking stuff out and it can be a little annoying because it is trying to have a conversation with you. And if you just want a straight answer, a straight search, it's going to be annoying. But I guess it can do amazing things, which I have not yet tapped into. So. And here's today's podcast picture. The podcast picture will be of a something of the Bay Area. How about that? Something recent. That's new for this podcast. I'm being facetious and joking like because it's not new. I, I post pictures from the Bay Area. Like Hayward was the last podcast picture from FF episode 2571, the one called Squeezed. This is 2572, 2572. And that picture was from Hayward and the beautiful sunset, which now it is cloudy and rainy. And oh, I guess I could post a picture of the dark, rainy skies above Podcastro Valley. The late great Basil the Boxer used to love to walk in the rain. And I liked walking him in the rain because we'd come out of the rain. I'd towel him off. And he'd be, like, clean. Super clean. He'd smell nice, too. It was interesting. So, Google, which, which counts for more than 1 billion daily active users, apparently. That's a lot. Microsoft said the surge in new users exposed a demand that I guess Google was not taking care of. Hmm. Also in the world of, let's say, uh, searching for a place to live or searching for a good way to live or searching for a life that you, you, that suits you 
More consumers are leaning on credit cards to afford increasingly expensive necessities like rent and food. That helped propel total credit card debt to a record $930 billion at the end of 2022. And that is a almost a 19% spike from the year before. So the average balance rose. This is the balance that people carry from month to month, which then accumulates interest. So you're paying, you're going to pay the interest that's crazy big someday. They're making money on their money that they're lending you, basically. The balance rose to $5,805 over that same period. Households are nearly at a breaking point. The breaking point is the level where debt that will become unsustainable to most people. Don't forget that debt of a different kind of the, you know, people taking out loans to buy houses. That's what caused the big recession in 2008. Delinquencies of 60 days are already on the rise. As long as unemployment stays down, households are better able to pay their bills. So there's There's that Credit cards are one of the most expensive ways to borrow money Currently the annual percentage rates are around 20% And that's an all time high Cardholders do have options though 0% balance transfer credit card offers are even more plentiful Than they were a year ago And they remain one of the best weapons Americans have in the battle against credit card debt so that's something to consider, experts say. But try to keep your credit card debt down as best you can. If the unemployment, if unemployment stays down, that means we're working and we're paying off that debt. And the boat doesn't capsize. <laughs> And we have some kind of equilibrium. I am not some kind of financial expert, but it seems to me that that's something to consider. Hey, you know what? This is the month of the of women's history. Did you know that? Well, let's take a quiz, shall we? I'm borrowing this from Bing, which I make points on when I do searches and whatnot. I might get points doing this. So, Amelia e Earhart. <laughs> no, it was Earhart. There's a big old... Uh, it's well it's a big mural of Amelia Earhart. It's at a restaurant called Earhart's. And that's in uh, Oakland near the Oakland Airport because apparently she flew out of that airport. Amelia Earhart was the first woman to do what in 1932? Fly an airplane, fly a plane solo across the Atlantic, or fly a plane across a continent. Hmm. As we go outside a cafe anyway, where we bring you Mike's Daily Podcast, somewhere in Podcastro Valley. Anyway. The last place on earth. I'm going to take a wild guess and say fly an airplane. The front panel will close automatically. Oh, wrong. Actually, she was the first woman in 1932 to fly a plane solo across the Atlantic. The American aviation pioneer took off from Newfoundland, Canada in her single-engine Lockheed Vega 
5B. 15 hours later, she landed in a field near Derry, Northern Ireland. When a farmhand reportedly asked her, how far have you flown? Amelia Earhart replied, from America. So another woman, Mary Curry, Marie Curry won the Nobel Prize in physics and which other field? Was it chemistry, economics, or physiology of medicine? I'm going with chemistry. Ah, I got that one right. In 1903, the Polish-born French scientist was the first woman to win a Nobel Prize for her work on the discovery of radioactivity. That's right, isn't there a movie about her that's out or came out last year or the year before? She won the Chemistry Prize in 1911 for discovering the radioactive elements polonium and radium, becoming the first person and only woman to win the Nobel Prize twice and the only person to win the Nobel Prize in two different scientific fields. Her full name was Marie Solomia Skodowska Curry, Polish and a naturalized French physicist and chemist. And finally, which, oh wait, Oh well Which country was the first to grant women the right to vote New Zealand Canada Or the UK I'm leaning New Zealand aren't you Yes In 1893 following some 20 years of activism By suffrage campaigners New Zealand became the first nation in the world In which women had the right to vote Beating Canada and the US By 25 years Dang Who was the first woman in space? Was it Sally Ride? Yes. Or was it Svetlana Savitskaya or Valentina Tereshkova? I was wrong. It's not Sally Ride. It is Valentina Tereshkova, a Soviet cosmonaut. She was the first and youngest woman to have flown in space on June 16th of 1963 at the age of 26. She was launched in the aircraft, the Vostok 6, and orbited Earth 48 times, spending almost three days in space. She remains the only woman to have been on a solo space mission. Yes, but Sally Ride did go into space. And she holds a first, I think is the first American woman. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducted its first female performer in 1987. Was it Whitney Houston, Etta James, or Aretha Franklin? I'm thinking it was Etta. No, it was Aretha. The Queen of Souls hits like Respect and Natural Woman earned her a spot in the Hall of Fame and many other honors, including number one on Rolling Stone Magazine's 100 Greatest Singers list. Then what actress has won more primetime Emmys than any performer in history? Mary Tyler Moore, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, or Cloris Leachman? I thought it was Cloris Leachman. No, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Elaine. She's fed up with comic legend Cloris Leachman. Oh, wait, she's tied with co- co- comic legend Cloris Leachman. I think Cloris passed away. But she's tied with her for most acting Emmys. But 
has also won awards for co-producing. She co-produced Veep. Mary Tyler Moore, whose barrier-breaking 1970 sitcom co-starred Cloris Leachman, rounds out the top three all-time winners. Fantastic. Yes, Cloris Leachman was in that show Raising Hope. And she did that when she was a lot older. Yeah, she passed away in 2021. She did a remarkable job on that show later in life. So Harriet Tubman is famous for freeing hundreds of slaves, but she was also a spy, a military leader, or was she both? I'm thinking she was both. Yes, the escaped slave known as Black Moses was a key figure in the Underground Railroad in the lead up to the Civil War. During the war, she scouted escaped uh, she, she scouted routes For escaped slaves In confederate territory later She helped lead over 150 troops In the raid At Kambahe Ferry Which freed more than 700 slaves Who was the first female justice Of the US Supreme Court Sandra Day O'Connor Ruth Bader Ginsburg Or Sonia Sotomayor I thought it was Sandra Day O'Connor It was She was nominated in 1981 By a Republican That would be President Reagan O'Connor was the first woman ever recommended For one of the nation's top judicial seats Despite pushback from Reagan's staunch conservative base She was confirmed by the Senate With a majority A a shutout majority of 99 to 0 Zaha Hadid was the first woman to win the Pritzker Prize What was her profession? Ah, this one I don't know I'm going to be pleasantly surprised An architect, ah, Zaha Hadid Was an Iraqi British architect, artist, and designer Recognized as a major figure in architecture Of the late 20th and early 21st century she won the prestigious Pritzker in 2004 Known for designs with sweeping dramatic curves and angles The Beijing airport may be the most famous example In 2020, 2020, 2020 Katie Sowers became the first woman to do what? In a Super Bowl Kick a field goal? Coach or referee? It was coach Yes, she coached the San Francisco 49ers as an offensive assistant in Super Bowl in the Super Bowl in uh, 2020. She is also the NFL's first openly gay coach and is one of the one of more than 55 women working in football operations league-wide. In 2021, Sarah Thomas became the first woman to officiate a Super Bowl. Katie Sowers and she joined the Kansas City Chiefs in 2021 and currently works in the athletic department of Ottawa University. Fantastic. There you go. Women's History Month. Don't forget. Well, here's an odd story. I'm going to round off this podcast with a couple of interesting things. A former Obama administration official... 
and her family hit turbulence on a flight to Maryland last Friday. The turbulence launched the passengers and former official Dana Hyde, who later died of her injuries. And uh, she served in both the Barack Obama and Bill Clinton administration. It was a violently turbulent flight. Uh, she was an attorney on the 9-11 Commission and was flying back from New England where she'd been visiting schools with her son and husband, Jonathan Chambers. The company jet they were aboard hit severe turbulence, hurling the passengers on board and leaving Hyde with a blunt force trauma. The pilot was forced to divert its landing to Connecticut where Hyde was pronounced dead at a Hartford airport. Chambers had sent an email um, to this is Chambers the Jonathan Chambers was her uh, husband had sent an email to his colleagues at broadband company connection after the crash saying that the plane suddenly convulsed in a manner that violently threw the three of us the NTSB has launched an instigation into the incident, noting that there was a reported trim issue referring to the plane's ability to stay stable and level during the flight and that equipment from the plane, like the cockpit voice recorder, were going to be analyzed. That's fascinating. So this is why we have to wear seatbelts on planes. It's a good idea to keep your seatbelt on. Even though they, it's annoying when they have to remind you over and over again. And is it annoying when you get reminded over and over again to wear masks? We were talking recently about some study that said that masks don't work. That is bogus. This according to The Insider. This last story that I also told you was from The Insider uh, and MSN.com. A new review of mask studies is generating buzz about whether masks work to prevent COVID. The review doesn't draw any major conclusions, but people are using it to say mask mandates failed. Mask studies have become a Rorschach test that people use to validate pre-existing beliefs. How so? Well, masks are annoying and they're also partisan and they're passe. And do they even work to keep people healthy? A new review by the prestigious Cochrane Collaboration suggests they only perform so-so. The review caused a major media frenzy. Some of the researchers performing the review took this lackluster finding as a ringing indictment of COVID-era mask mandates. There is no evidence that they work, said Tom Jefferson, a University of Oxford tutor who co-authored the review. That's not strictly true. We have a lot of evidence about what masks can and can't do. And the review was taken wildly out of context. This new research roundup, which came out at the end of January, is the latest update to a 16-year-old Cochrane systematic, systemic, systematic review designed to assess whether physical interventions, including masking and hand washing, help limit the spread of respiratory viruses. Cochrane is one of medicine's rock star publications designed only to evaluate the most up-to-date, well-designed trials and the ultimate goal of promoting better evidence-based decision-making in healthcare. But the researchers didn't actually draw firm conclusions about whether masks work or not. 
They said we are uncertain whether wearing masks or N95 P2 respirators respirators help to slow the spread of respiratory viruses. The results might change when further evidence becomes available. There were 15 years of different studies included in this mega review of 78 research papers. Six pertain to COVID, but many more were about flu. Some covered masks, while others assessed the impact of hand washing and gargling on disease transmission. Perhaps more importantly, several mask studies included in the new review didn't require anyone to actually wear a mask. Rather, researchers just handed masks out to some people and not others to see if disease rates were better when masks were available. And they were. So there was also some important COVID era mass studies that weren't included in this review because even though they were well designed, they weren't randomized controlled trials, which some consider to be the gold standard in medicine and in studies. But these studies are also instructive. The two COVID positive Missouri hairstylists who quaffed 139 clients all wore masks. No one got sick. Or the COVID outbreak aboard the USS Theodore Roosevelt, where the masked medical personnel suffered fewer cases. In many studies of large school districts across the US, from Georgia to Massachusetts, show that where masks are worn, COVID case rates are consistently 30 to 40% lower. The real problem with masks is you. <laughs> And, oh, by the way, high-quality masks have already been used for decades to help mitigate but not entirely prevent the spread of high infectious pathogens, including measles and tuberculosis. We know masks and respirators can work well to prevent bad stuff from entering people's noses and mouths, whether the threat is a virus or smoke from a fire, coal dust, or mold spores. During the pandemic, lab workers at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention double masked dummies with surgical and cloth masks and discovered the strategy reduced COVID transmission from one face to another by up to 96.4%. There are no inviolable laws of nature that we can rely on. An aerosol scientist at Virginia Tech who studies how viruses move through the air, Lindsay Marr, said, Filtration of particles by masks is a physical process that has laws. When worn diligently by individuals, masks can be good tools for blocking viruses. They're not a silver bullet. No one can wear the masks all the time, healthcare workers take their masks off to eat in break rooms where COVID spreads from coworker to coworker. Friends and family gather for intimate events, including funerals and birthdays, where closeness is important. Hey, did you notice at the uh, president's uh, the speech that he gave, the State of the Union speech, like hardly anybody was wearing masks? One huge study included in the review looked at masks in a real world setting. In villages across Bangladesh, comprising more than 300,000 people, some wore masks and some didn't. The villages with the most diligent mask use saw reduction in COVID by up to 12%. The study authors insist that's something, that's something to celebrate. We didn't get 100% of people wearing masks. We got 40%. One of the Bangladesh, Bangladesh study authors previously told the website insider it wasn't everybody and yet we we're still able to measure an effect 
So don't trust anybody with a simple assessment of masks. They're tools that can, can be used to prevent infection, but they're not going to prevent outbreaks or even curb them all on their own. Other things have to be in place. So it's just something to think about. People, they, if they hate masks, then chances are they're going to hate Fauci too. And that's a thing that they're just going to go off and tell you how much they hate Fauci. They're going to tell you that for about an hour and just dump all this information and data on you. And you're going to be like, oh, uncle, stop. Mercy. Hey, it's raining here at Podcastro Valley. I'm outside a cafe anyway under a big umbrella. Look who else is here under the umbrella with me. Hello, Michael Myers. It's Madame Rutherbega. And I love all this water coming out of the sky. Ooh, that's great. So I'm going to drink some rainwater right now. Oh, I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but do you like rainwater? Yes. Do you like smart water? Yes. Do you like hot water? No. Oh, you're into cold water. Some people like hot water, you know, and they won't they won't even make tea with it. They just uh drink the hot water. That's crazy. Look who else is here. Hello, Dave Mike. This is Valentino the <laughs> And this is Bites and Bentley. Do you know that? Mike, we was hoping that you would talk about the best one-hit wonders of the 90s. Day. Yeah, 90s. Do you know that? Well, according to Reddit, which I don't go on, even though I was told, hey, Mike, when you mansplain things, no, I, I don't. I know someone who does. I work with someone who does. It's annoying. To me, what a mansplainer is, yes, they have to be a man, but then also, or maybe not, but they do have to interrupt you as you are saying that you, yes, I already know all this already, and they keep explaining to you. It's like, no, stop. But the best 90s, (laughs) oh, apparently on Reddit, there's a, uh, explain it to a five-year-old. And so there's this whole thing where people explain complicated things like they're explaining it to a five-year-old. So they simplify it and they dumb it down for the rest of us. Thank you for doing that. So here's some best one-hit wonders. Sex and Candy by Marcy Playground. Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. No, he also had a song, uh, that other one. Because I'm another man with fire in my hands. That was kind of a hit. The Cotton Eye Joe, yes. Wasn't that Rednecks that did that? Let's see. Then they don't really mention. Oh, Two Princes by Spin Doctors. Ah, Spin Doctors also had a hit with song, the, the one, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. So that's not technically a one-hit wonder. Virtual Insanity by Jamiroquai. Well... Yes, but you can't forget that Jamiroquai song that was in the movie Napoleon Dynamite. That was awesome. So technically, he's not a one-hit wonder. Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice. Yes, Vanilla Ice did try to have another hit, and I can't remember the song. But New Radicals, you get what you give. They had another one, too. This is it. You know, people, they have no concept They go, that's a one-hit wonder. No, look it up. Look up the billboard charts. (laughs) There's nine times out of ten you're wrong when you say, uh, okay. The most 
popular slang words in the United States, according to this map that was sent to me from dig.com, that's with two G's. These don't really, that from gaming terms like pop poggers and nerf to Gen Z slang like simp, here's a variety of slang words that we found a home in American lexicon. Let's see. American states' most popular slang words. Among lovers and friends, cutie was the most popular and preferred shorthand in nine states. The Zoomer's invaluable contribution to this discourse has been words like simp and on fleek, the latter a phrase that was created by Kayla Newman, a.k.a. Peaches Monroe. All right. There's... I guess, names for people that you care for. Bay, baby daddy, sweetie, cutie, boo, baby girl, dearest. And in California, it's wifey. Well, that pretty much wraps up today's show because I think we've hit the bottom. But I would like to hope to that you stay uh, dry and that, you know, the bottom of wherever you live does not get full of water because sometimes water seeps in in these floody type atmospheric rivers situations. And that you tell people about this podcast so that others will listen to it and that maybe I'll get like more than one vi- listener, visitor to the podcast. If not, that's fine. If a podcaster podcasts and no one listens, is he still a podcaster? I don't know. It's like that tree falling in the woods thing. But thank you for listening. If you'd like to call in and answer any of those questions I kind of threw out there rhetorically, 510-228-4640. And with more ways to reach me, it's A-Frame. Mike's Daily Podcast is written and produced and performed by Mike Matthews. His podcast is super easy to find. Download or listen to his show and read his blog at mikesdailypodcast.com. Email Mike now at mikesdailypodcast at gmail.com. See you tomorrow. Bye.